Hi and welcome to the latest episode on SFA Oxford's podcast. I am joined by Dr Jenny Watts, Head of Clean Energy and Sustainability, as well as Alex Biddle, who is Senior Mining Analyst here at SFA Oxford. Thank you very much both for joining. The purpose of this episode is to discuss the hot topics right now of the PGM industry. This episode also supports the recent release of our PGM 2040 market outlook. So perhaps if we were to have an overview of the current trends or the context that's really behind this report. Yes, so I think in the last few years in the PGM industry, we've seen a lot of change and a lot of disruption in the market, both from a a supply perspective, but also a demand perspective. We've been through covid We've been through processing mishaps. Obviously, now we've got disruption in South Africa as a result of electricity problems as well. Jenny, any more? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and obviously we've got rapidly changing legislative climate. We've got macroeconomic affordability issues around vehicles. So certainly a rapidly moving automotive landscape as well. Other aspects of demand, certainly we've got changes to the jewellery market um, in its real heartland market of of China. Um, We've also got changes in India too. But of course, we've got the the real sort of bedrock demand in the industrial sector again. And we've looked in detail at a lot of the processes there that use uh, PGMs as catalysts. Sure, and I suppose you've also got political tensions that would influence the market as well, namely Ukraine and uh, the Russian war. Alex that kind of sets the scene for the report, as it were. But perhaps if, as the mining analyst, uh, you would be able to give us a a word on supply, primary and secondary, and kind of how they play a role in the report that that we've recently released. Yeah, so as I said, a lot of changes over the last few years. Over the last three, four years, we've seen mining companies make significant profits off the back of very, very high rhodium and palladium prices which drove up basket prices for producers globally. Now the issue has been over the last few months that we've seen PGM basket prices decline significantly with basket prices today in RAND terms probably around 30% down relative to the start of the year and, and actually probably half of their peak levels back in 2021. So, so that's that's quite a change. Yeah. What's what's caused that? So essentially, it's a bit of a return to liquidity in the market in terms of the fears over processing in South Africa. But equally, from a rhodium perspective, what, we, what we've seen is a, a significant increase in metal sales from within China, from uh, the industrial sector. So I don't know whether, Jenny, you can add more on that. Yes, yeah, certainly the uh, the very high rhodium prices that we that we did see that Alex has men- mentioned did uh, did wonders for supporting the uh, the South African basket price, but of course that turned some industrial end users, principally in the uh, in the glass manufacturing sector, that turned them away from rhodium. So as a result, we did see a certain amount of rhodium coming out of the uh, sort of installed capacity and coming back to the market, which obviously ultimately uh, had a, had its impact on prices. Yeah, I think as well, um, especially when we look back into 2021, 2022, when we had those very, very high prices, particularly for rhodium, 
Uh, obviously, at those points, we had a significant amount of metal that was locked up within South Africa as a result of constraints within processing, particularly at the smelting and converting stage. So that locked up a, quite a lot of metal from a, a very rhodium-rich area of, of the world. And combine that with the fact that we had the onset of the Ukraine conflict in March, April of 2022, which obviously created lots of fear over the security of a primary supply from Nornickel, which is one of the world's largest palladium producer. Obviously, we saw PGM basket prices go very, very high, but some of those fears have, have now eased, especially with metal flows continuing to come out of Russia with Nornickel not necessarily being sanctioned by the West. That being said, a lot of their metal sales are now increasingly going into Asia, uh, but officially no sanctions are in place, so there's no real... The, or the fears of supply security have, have potentially gone away there. And similarly in South Africa, furnace maintenance has been completed at a couple more uh, smelters in South Africa over the last year or so. So that's eased fears over primary supply. And, and ESCOM remains a factor, but I think that's not necessarily had as big of an impact on mine production as, as maybe it was first feared at the start of this year. It continues to be an issue for producers, but it's probably more on the processing side and it's not really allowing them to draw down excess stock levels rather than preventing them refining existing current flows of production. Now in South Africa especially, we've seen that the margins that producers were enjoying over the last few years have disappeared, to be honest. As I said before, PGM basket prices for South African producers are now you know, less than half the levels that they were at their peak and, and they're down 30% year to date in RAND terms. Um, and if you combine that with the fact that prices are, or costs have been significantly higher over the last few years as a result of very high inflation rates globally, Amongst other factors, you know, disruption from ESCOM has a big impact on the cost base for South African producers, also wages. But the mainly it's the, it's the cost of consumables such as steel, explosive, etc. And dollar-based costs for chemicals and consumables, which is really pushing the prices or pushing the costs up for South African producers. So looking ahead over the next few months... We suspect that potentially that fourth quartile of the highest cost producers, which are predominantly in South Africa, uh, we suspect that some of that, some of the areas of those production might be coming loss making at current prices. Uh, we've seen recently a little bit of a rebound in the rhodium price, which might be helpful to some of those operations. But over the next few years, there is well the case for some contraction in supply and some cutting back that some producers might make and we do cover that in the report we've got a, a couple of scenarios that deal with potential closures where might closures happen and how fast they might happen and, and for what reason. So Alex where does secondary supply come into this? Well secondary supply is a, a little bit of a different market to the primary sector in terms of its economics it's more of a, an economies of scale game rather than uh, 
ultimately basket prices determining whether you have a, a margin or not. Over the last few months, we've seen a little bit of disruption in terms of metal flows through the recycling value chain, and, and that can be attributed to a few things. There's a little bit of a constraint in refining capacity over the last 12 months, but that seems to have eased now. But also the lack of volumes coming through the system can also be linked a little bit to a lack of available new vehicles to be able to purchase. And, and so that's led to a, a situation where consumers have been hanging on to their older vehicles for a lot longer than they may have done previously over the last couple of years. So that's affected recycling volumes coming through the system and the number of end-of-life vehicles being recycled. So that's kind of led to a, a bit of a, a dip in recycling temporarily, we think, over the course of 2023. But in the long term, uh, we do see significant growth for in palladium and rhodium recycling, especially from the automotive sector. Mainly that's due to the fact that increasingly increasing numbers we're seeing end-of-life vehicles coming through the system that have higher loadings in palladium and rhodium and maybe Jenny can add a little bit more on this in terms of where that's coming from. Yeah thanks Alex a lot of that has been from from China where we've had China really uh, surging about the last sort of 15 years or so surging in terms of vehicle production and uh, at the same time those vehicles have been having to comply with much more stringent emission standards in China, China close to, uh, to Western standards. So you've got a lot of vehicles, highly loaded catalysts, coming towards their end of life. Um, and those Chinese vehicles have all been almost entirely gasoline. So their autocats have been heavily loaded with palladium and rhodium. So hence we're seeing a, quite a flow of, uh, of secondary supply for palladium and rhodium coming into the system now. So in this PGM report that reaches out to 2040, we can't not mention battery electric vehicles, Jenny. So perhaps you could give us an overview of the development of batteries and how they impact the report. Well, certainly one of the things that uh, is absolutely fundamental to, uh, to looking at PGM demand in the long term out to 2040 is understanding the, uh, the biggest demand market, or what used to be the biggest demand market, the auto catalyst sector. So we, in this report, we've really drilled down into the, the different powertrains and their growth potential, both in, in light-duty vehicles and heavy-duty vehicles too. So uh, we're looking at, the obviously, the emission standards, the, uh, the, the, the net zero targets, and how that impacts what governments are mandating for, for vehicles but also looking at the sort of energy efficiency aspects, the affordability aspects, particularly for consumers in, in how they do their vehicle choices. So uh, that we've, we've done that both in terms of uh, making absolute forecasts, but uh, yeah, with the, the huge uncertainties that are out there at the moment, we've also done a, a couple of scenarios looking at both different uptakes of different, uh, different powertrains, but also looking at different overall volumes of, of light vehicle production in particular. So uh, that, that helps us to uh, give some context to uh, these growth forecasts out to 2040. I suppose for a while it had always been assumed that it would be hydrogen fuel cells that would be powering heavy duty vehicles. But it seems that in the past six months or so, 
there's really been a development in the battery technology that now makes a battery uh, a viable option or even a competitor for powering heavy-duty vehicles. Indeed, we've looked, as you say, at uh, the long term for fuel cells very much being in the uh, heavy-duty vehicle space, more so than in the light-duty space. But, um, but yeah, with the amount of investment that's gone on, the amount of progress that, that's happened on the development side for, for battery electric powertrains, we are seeing them being quite successful in the, certainly in the sort of medium heavy duty, if not the, uh, the full heavy duty market, and, and certainly potentially taking some market share. So again, we're looking at the, uh, the viabilities, the efficiencies, um, and looking at uh, some of the options for, uh, for where, where batteries can go in, particularly in China. Again, understanding some of the unique aspects of the Chinese market in terms of the potential for battery swapping technology, which could well take some of that uh, potential for fuel cell powertrains away and replace it longer term with, with battery. But uh, again, many risks around that, which we, uh, which we address, which we look at and uh, try and assess where the, where the opportunities are, but where the risks are too. So, Alex, as the episode comes towards a close, perhaps you could just round off by saying what else is covered in the report. Yes, so obviously this report goes out to 2040, so that's quite a, quite a long forecast. We do expect there to be a little bit of a, a down cycle over the next few years in terms of PGM basket prices, and the impacts on, on primary and secondary supply are dealt with in this report. But longer term, we do expect that the incentive for new primary supply might return later in our forecast period. So because we're looking so far out, we also have to consider greenfield and brownfield projects. And we do see significant reserve depletion globally in North America and also in South Africa. So we've, we've done quite a bit of analysis on the potential options that could come online later in our forecast period if, if PGM prices and, and basket prices and increase significantly above those incentive levels. So it's important to, to consider those, especially in such a long dated report. So those are also covered in the report as well as uh, some more near term scenarios on primary supply where we're considering what potential closures that we might see over the next few years and, and how that impacts on the market balances in conjunction with the other scenarios as well. Well, thank you very much, Jenny and Alex, for your contribution to the episode. In terms of the report itself, I will add a link in the description below. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you.